0: In this episode, you'll discover a whole new way to understand the idea of our children listening to us so that we can get real cooperation with them and actually be heard. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to little old me. I am super honored by each and every one of you that is here. Our Parenting Junkie community is growing in leaps and bounds and each and every one of you represents one more intentional, imperfect parent who wants to join together with others and learn and expand our horizons and parent from a place of peace, presence and play. So a little bit about me. I am a homeschooling mother of four. I'm a mindful parenting coach. I talk a lot about mindset. And the main things that we cover here at The Parenting Junkie are how to love parenting, i.e. enjoy the process, all about that mindset stuff, uh, really enjoying it in uh, making a playful environment, a loving environment, a joyful journey. How to parent from love, i.e. parent peacefully and consciously and kindly and with compassion. And no, I cannot do this all of the time. I am very imperfect. Um, but that is my goal. And how to parent in love, i.e if you are in a relationship, if you have a significant other, if there is another parent uh, parenting alongside you or a co-parent after a divorce or a separation, uh, how can you parent from a place that is also loving towards the other adults in your story, in your narrative? So, We are averse and allergic to one size fits all dogmatic approaches here at The Parenting Junkie. So hopefully you're never gonna hear me say that this is the only way to do it or the perfect way to do it. And anything I do say that comes off as prescriptive or like it's the only thing, just know that what I really mean is it's what works for us and what I've learned, but you need to take what works for you and leave the rest. Just keep on scrolling whenever anything does not hit the spot for you and doesn't make sense to you. So let's get right into it. And today's show notes are going to be found at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 40. Can you believe we're 40 episodes into this podcast? I'm so, so grateful for all of your testimony uh, testimonials. Well, testimonials, reviews. Reviews on iTunes. I know some of you are having a little bit of trouble figuring out how to do that because I get DMs quite often from you guys. First of all, thank you for trying to figure out how to do that. I appreciate that so much. Giving the five-star ratings and leaving those juicy reviews are the types of things that really propels uh, this message further afoot and helps other parents discover it. Um, But if you can't figure it out, if you just Google how to leave a review on iTunes, it will help you out. Speedy Gonzalez. So Meet me in the reviews, meet me on Instagram, tag me at Parenting Junkie, DM me. Uh, I really, really love to interact with you guys. i love to hear all of your feedback. Um, I, I, I really feel that this is a community and we're here having a conversation. So grab your cup of tea or get comfy wherever you are or enjoy your walk or shopping in the supermarket, snap a selfie, let me know where you listen to this, and let's get into the depths of today's podcast. So let's start by asking ourselves, what do we mean when we say children don't listen? I get this message all the time from parents who are struggling. My kids don't listen to me. I sometimes say it to myself. My kids aren't listening to me. And I sometimes yell it at my kids. You're not listening to me. (laughs) I've been there. I get it. I totally understand. But I kind of want to burst my own bubble or call my own BS here because I want to say that I think that listening has become a euphemism for obedience, right? Not obeying what I said. It's not that they're not listening. I didn't want them to actually truly listen to me and reflect back what I said and validate me and hear me. I wasn't actually concerned with whether they were listening. I was concerned with whether they were obeying. They didn't jump to my orders. They didn't straight away do what I asked them to do. And therefore, I've said they're not listening to me. Now, if you're curious a little bit about this why obedience isn't my goal. I have a YouTube video all about that. It's called Why Obedience Is Not My Goal. And I also have a YouTube video all about uh, obedience versus respect when it comes to the Ten Commandments and this idea of, you know, obey thy father and thy mother. Um, so we've we've touched on this from various, uh, various points of view, but today I want to talk to you about listening uh, and, and obedience, right? Why they're not following through on our orders, why they're not complying, why they're not cooperating with our requests, okay? So specifically around that scenario where you've asked your child to do something and they're not doing it. It could be that they're completely ignoring you. It could be that they are doing something contrary, like they're doing the opposite of what you just asked. Um, Or it could be that you have to say it till you're blue in the face and you're still not getting a response, or they're just kind of giving you a blank stare, or they're just going about their business or saying, no, I don't want to. So why would kids do this? Okay, so let's get our detective hats on and our magnifying glasses and try and figure this out someone who we love and who loves us is in front of us. We are their biological caregivers, their biological survival mechanisms. I don't mean that you're necessarily a biological parent. I just mean that the survival mechanism for young children, whether they're adopted or not, is to seek proximity to their adults, right? That's their. That's how they are wired biologically. And so we are their guides in the world. And what we say must hold a great deal of weight for them, uh, a great deal of meaning for them, because we're kind of their their key to unlocking everything in the world, right? We feed them, we bathe them, we clothe them, we shelter them. But here we are saying, you need to do this or you need to do that, and they're not doing it. Why? Why? The first thing I want to make clear is that there are endless reasons children might not be obeying. Okay, and I don't like the term obedience. I don't think it has much of a place within parenting. Um, I still have that kind of chip on my shoulder and that default parenting, authoritarian parenting within me that says, you should do as I say, and sometimes I'll say, because I said so, or I'll say, you need to learn how to obey me. And I have those moments because I haven't fully evolved and I'm not enlightened yet. But I don't think, when I'm in my higher self, I don't think that that's the way I want to parent. I don't think that's effective. I don't think it's right, you know, to lord our authority in that kind of way, to demand blind obedience in that kind of way over our children. I think there's, you know, some shadiness in terms of just, is it is it right conduct? You know, is it fair? Is it true? Um, but beyond that, I really don't think it's effective. I, just like the next parent, want to shape my kids into being kind and uh, compassionate and helpful and productive citizens of the world. I don't think it's very effective to shape them into that using obedience because obedience is rooted in fear, is rooted in Do as I say because I'm the bigger, stronger one, not because it makes sense, not because you have your critical thinking cap on, right? It's just about the fact that I'm your parent and therefore you have to do as I say. And there's a place for that, right? Our children do need to know that at the end of the day, if we say something quickly and sharply, they better listen, right? Like don't run in the road. Hey, you've got to listen to me when I say that kind of thing. And over the course of the first few years of your life, I'm going to make that clear that that is not negotiable. So there are those moments where obedience really matters, right? But for the most part, I want them to actually respect me and trust me and learn that my words are well thought out and that I'm offering them guidance from a place of love and that it's in their best interest to strongly consider the advice that I have to offer and that as a family, we need to cooperate. And so cooperation is absolutely key to teamwork, to family life, and they need to be able to do that. So those are the reasons that I do want them to listen to me sometimes, right? We have to just get through our day-to-day life. Sometimes we have to get somewhere on time. Sometimes we need to eat certain foods or take certain medicines or wear certain clothes. Or say certain things to certain people. There are all these different, you know, social norms and, you know, health requirements, safety requirements, educational requirements, um, moral and ethic and community and value-based requirements that I do demand of my children, that I do want them to cooperate with. And I want that to come from a place of as much respect and explanation as possible. But sometimes you need to just listen to me. Sometimes I say, don't touch that and you simply need to not touch that. Or I say, you know, stop making that noise and you need to. So how can I then get you to obey, to comply, to cooperate in those times? So let's go back to my first point after that very long tangent, which is that there are many different reasons that children don't listen. Why don't children listen? Do you ever not listen to someone? I mean, does your partner say, okay, say your partner says, hey, babe, and, and this is not an example from my own life. Of course it isn't. <laughs> um, this is my partner. Ever say to me, hey babe, when you finish using the cereals, you need to roll up the bag so that they maintain their freshness. And he's said that to me upwards of 50 times. God bless him. He has the patience of, I don't know what, he's so incredibly patient, the patience of a sloth. Um, he says that to me time and time again. And yet, I close those cereal boxes without rolling up the plastic bag. <laughs> Repeatedly, why am I not listening to him? Why am I not obeying and complying and cooperating with his commandment, with his request? So ask yourself, there are times in your life where you don't fulfill on someone's requests, right? I don't know, maybe your mother's asked you to call her every single day, or your partner has asked you to lock the car before you come in the house, or um, whatever it is to to save on electricity or to not to buy that type of snack anymore at home. And yet we don't always do it, right? Or sometimes our, our partner or our children or our boss asks us to do something and for whatever reason, we don't do it. We can't do it. Maybe we're distracted. Maybe there's something weighing heavy on our minds and we are emotionally not super available to process anything else. We're overwhelmed. We're distracted. Maybe we're distracted because we're busy with something, right? So I think that's one reason that children have trouble listening to us. If my child is immersed playing Lego, it's going to be much harder and demand a lot more effort on my part to be heard because he's absorbed. He's in a state of flow. If my partner is busy, you know, writing his novel, and I come in and say, hey, can you take out the trash? Guess what? He doesn't immediately obey me because he's absorbed, he's busy, I'm actually coming to him at a difficult time for him to be helpful. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to be helpful, but he doesn't. So when people are busy, then it doesn't mean we can't make requests of them. It means we need to see what's going on for them right now and try to really assess whether the request that we're making can wait, or if not, how we can get their attention when they are absorbed with something else that's on their agenda. When I ask uh, my partner to tidy up the house after me, you know, I've left for work for the day and ask him to tidy up, but he has something else on his agenda for the day. I've just kind of inflicted my agenda upon him, but I haven't made him, I haven't set him up for success, right? I haven't set myself up for success, I've set myself up for disappointment because I've made a request that he's unlikely to fulfill on. What about when someone has a more pressing need, right? If a child has a more pressing need, like we've asked them to tidy up their room right now, but right now they're really hungry, or they're really tired, or they need to pee, or they are bursting to tell us a story, If they have a more pressing need, then their needs are generally going to trump ours because that's how children in particular, but all people are wired, right? Children are naturally narcissistic, it's healthy, it's normal, (laughs) they're supposed to be. They see their own agenda and their own self as first and foremost, and that's okay. But we need to take that into account when we're trying to get them to take on board our agenda and adopt it as their own. If we wanna convince them that now's a good time to clean their room, we're going to need to work hard to do that, and I'm going to give you some tips on how to do that in just a moment. But why else don't kids listen? They're distracted, they're busy, they're emotionally a little bit maybe uptight or heavy, right? Like if they've had a, a difficult interaction with you or with a friend or they're feeling guilty because they lied about something, then they might really not be available to be processing more requests. What if they're overstimulated, like they're scheduled all the time or they have homework or a heavy workload from school or just no downtime whatsoever. They might be in this kind of overdrive uh, state And they just can't take on more. They can't process more information coming in. So when you ask them to please set the table, they're just kind of frozen. They're checked out. It's like you are at the end of a really long flight, okay? You've taken a really, really long flight and you've been traveling all day and you've been up since 4 a.m. And now your partner says, can you please, you know, do our taxes? And you're just like, dude, I'm checked out. Like I have nothing left to give today, tomorrow, okay? right? We have to see children in a more human way. They're not robots who can simply, you know, answer our every women, our every order straight away. What about if they simply don't have what they need to complete the task? So sometimes I'll ask my kids, you know, go and brush your teeth. And it's my own parental laziness because my little ones, my bigger ones can do it. My little ones um, it's obviously not my baby, but my, my three and a half year old, she can't operate the toothpaste. She can't operate it. So I say go and brush your teeth because I wanna get that task off of my list. But the truth is that she is ill-equipped. She can't do it yet. She doesn't have the fine motor skills yet to do that task independently. I'll say, go and put on your shoes, but they can't reach the sock basket and they can't actually put on their shoes without my help. And then I'll get frustrated that they didn't listen to me, but they have not had the skills or the information or the access that is required in order to complete the task. They might also simply not understand what we want right? If I say, we're leaving in five minutes, get ready. Well, maybe that's too broad, uh, you know, broader request. It's too vague. Little children don't know what it means to get ready. Maybe you say get ready and they're like, I'm ready. They're in their pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have shoes on and they're certainly not ready by our standards. But the way they understood that question, they are ready. Like they're happy to go out now. Fine, I'm ready. <laughs> So sometimes, you know, or sometimes we say, uh, do your math, right? And so they do one math question, and from their perspective, they did their math. And we say, why aren't you listening to me? We need to understand that people can't listen to us and follow our requests, even with the best of intentions, if they don't fully understand what we mean. Sometimes our words are simply too complicated, right? Right? Sometimes we use metaphors or analogies or uh, euphemisms that they don't get. Like if you say to a kid, please, can you set the table? They might have no clue what that means. You need to say, please, can you put out four forks on the table and four plates? And can you put it in each person's place? And then they might be able to do it. Finally, sometimes they don't want to do what you say. They don't want to because they're angry with you and they want revenge. You know, they want to get back at you. They want to show you that they're upset. Or maybe they don't want to do the actual thing that you're asking them to do. Like they don't want to clean their room. It's boring or it's difficult or they need more help and support to do it. They just don't want to do it. Like we're asking them to do it and it's our agenda or theirs and they're choosing theirs. They don't want to do it. They haven't seen the value in it. They don't understand why they need to do it. And of course, they might just feel manipulated or controlled, like they're being bossed about. And I think most people have this kind of knee-jerk tendency to rebel when we're feeling controlled and bossed about. We have this knee-jerk ten- tendency to say, I'll show them, you're not the boss of me, no, I won't do it. And that, when that's happening, it's a sign, and it happens to me the whole time, but it's a sign that I haven't gotten my kids on board Uh, I haven't come around, right? And and, and come alongside them and gotten them on board with understanding why I'm requesting this thing. So if a kid is fighting against wearing a helmet, for example, and of course you can't do this with two-year-olds necessarily, but with three, four, five-year-olds, you certainly can. Is that you get them around, you bring them around to your agenda. So if they haven't understood why it's important, if they haven't bought into your vision on why a helmet is important, then they might rebel. So if all of this feels like, oh, there are so many reasons they don't listen, and I'm sure there are a bunch more, I would love to hear why your children don't listen, Um, there are a bunch more, but these are the types of things I think that are the reason that people in general don't listen to other people's requests, and I mean, don't obey them, right, don't follow through on them, don't cooperate. If these are all the reasons that it feels like overwhelming, let's now take a little shift and move over to the side of what we can do, how we can get our children to listen to us. So before we do, I want to just share with you a little snippet of a conversation I had with my friend Hunter Clark Fields. Hunter Clark Fields is such an incredible mama. She's a yoga teacher, she holds mindfulness retreats, and she's the founder of Mindful Mama Mentor. And in this conversation, she talks about why children don't listen. And we we actually flip the script a little bit and point out that we often are the ones not listening to our children. Let's play a little bit from that interview.
1: How do I get my kids to listen to me is a question I get all the time. And the question presupposes a couple of things. So it comes at things from this, uh, from this viewpoint of I am the parent and I'm, it comes from the standpoint of like obedience training kind of thing, right? Which is a really natural standpoint that we come from. And we have to like put on our shoes and get in the car and go to school and get to the bus stop. So that question comes from it in that place. But we, what we have to look at is we kind of have to take this question of how do I get my kids to listen to me? And I think we have to like step back, like a couple of pieces because, you know, a lot of parenting comes into, you know, modeling. You know, we have to do what we, uh, live what we want our kids to learn. And, and we have to think about a couple of things here. Like, A, how am I, how am I listening to my child? How am I modeling listening? Am I like always on my phone? Being like, wait a second, wait a second. Or, um, you know, kind of, we have to look at that, right? Like, am I listening? And so when we ask that question, we're going back to then creating the connection, which is where all... All the listening magic, all the cooperation magic comes from is that connection. So if you're in that moment, you're like, how do I get my kids to listen to me? I, we have to go, for instance, like we have to leave a place. So some things you can do, you can say, you know, really good practice when you have little ones like your little ones is especially to like you know, get down on that level, like crouch down, kneel down, because when you are towering over them, it literally like, uh, it, it triggers that fight, flight, or freeze response right. in their body because you're kind of threatening and you're a little, you know, anxious and wanting to go. So that can kind of trigger that, um, resist you know, fight, flight, or freeze. So freeze, don't do anything. My daughter is the master of that. Mm. Um, fight, you know, resist Yeah. physically or mentally. Um, yeah. Fight, flight, or freeze. So, or or flight, like run away. Right. So if we can get down low, we're, you know, we're, we're keeping on the good side of their nervous system and then we can connect with them. And just what you said, like we want to model that listening. So Babe, I know you really want to, this is so fun. You wish you could stay forever. So like acknowledging what is going on for your child. You wish you could stay forever here. I get it. But you know what? And we've got to go. It's time to go. So we, we start to, when we practice to make it a practice of um, listening and acknowledging what's going on for our child first, they're way more likely to
0: listen to you. so if we want our kids to listen to us there's one main thing that we need to consider and that is that we need to make ourselves heard consider anyone in your life or anyone in history or any movement in history that actually made a change that actually brought about action that inspired people to take action they did not wait for people to listen to them. They made themselves heard. And I want you to embody that kind of energy when you're communicating with your children or with anyone else, something that is important to you. And that might be, we need to leave now, (laughs) or it might be, this room needs to get clean, or it might be, uh, you know, whatever it is. I need us to switch off the screens at this point. How do we make ourselves heard? So consider your body first of all. When you're trying to make yourself heard, and I do this the whole time, if you're in the other room yelling to your child, it's time to switch off the screen, or it's time to come in for dinner, or please get your shoes on, then you can be sure without a doubt that if there are any of the reasons that we mentioned earlier for a child not to listen, That would be a good time for them to act on those reasons, right? If they're distracted or busy or they have more pressing needs or they don't understand what you want or they don't have what they need to complete the task or if they don't want to do what you say, if you're in another room yelling to them or if you're across the room saying to them, you know, kind of barking out orders, they are unlikely to actually motivate and break the power of inertia of just doing the same as what they're doing right uh, an object in motion stays in motion we have to create some sense of friction so if your body is far away and your voice is far away then your message is far away if you want to be heard you need to come in close you need to actually get eye contact so look if your child is busy and distracted, then maybe you can wait, right? Maybe you can really ask yourself, is my request something that I have to make right now? And if not, maybe you can wait. But if you can't wait, you need to actually come down, hand on their shoulder, look into their eyes. Hey, buddy, I see how busy you are. I actually need to tell you something important. Would you look into my eyes for a moment? So, you need to get that eye contact. You need to get down on their level. You need to make sure you have their attention. How many times do we as parents, and my hand is raised, how many times do we as parents just repeat ourselves on, on you know, replay again and again? And then we get so mad at our children that we've said things a million times and they haven't listened to us. But we haven't once actually taken the moment to get their attention in the first place. So, if you want to be heard, you must get their attention attention get down on their level speak calmly speak clearly speak with in a way they can understand now another note about if you're dist- if they are distracted and you are interrupting them is that they might be irritated right fair enough if you are in the middle of knitting your thing or writing your thing or dancing your thing whatever and someone interrupts you it's not pleasant it's hard and when a, a, a kind of flow is broken like that we feel we feel grumpy, just like when we're woken up from sleep. And we also feel this urge to get back into it, to complete our project. And so you will get a lot more success when you're trying to get your child's cooperation, when you're interrupting them, if you give them uh, the first of all, empathy, that you know they didn't want to be interrupted, but B, if you also give them a roadmap for when they can get back to what they're doing. Something like, hey, sweetheart, I see how busy you are building that and it looks absolutely amazing and I really want you to get back into working on it. We must leave the house right now if we're not going to be late, um, but we will be able to continue this as soon as we get home in two hours. Okay, that would work great for an older child and just kind of simplify that for a younger child. But just showing them that you respect that their time and the way they're spending their time right now uh, is important and, and valuable. And you're not just trying to rip them away from whatever it is they're doing. So I said, speak calmly, speak clearly, don't be frantic, don't repeat yourself again and again and try and just say it the once try and say it once and also try and say one thing. So for example, if you're trying to get your child to the dinner table, rather than saying, go and wash your hands, get your plate, set the table with me and then come and sit down. We're eating dinner. Try and say one thing at a time, especially to a very young child or especially if it's something that they're not used to as part of their routine. So you've interrupted, you've looked them in their eyes, you said, I need to tell you something. Can you look at me? It's time to wash hands for dinner. So Rather than making an instruction, something that we're telling them what to do, like you need to go and wash wash your hands for dinner, it might be a softer and more palatable, digestible uh, way of phrasing it if we say it's time to, okay? Or we need to, or let's go and, right? Let's go and wash hands for dinner. We need to wash hands for dinner. It's time to wash hands for dinner. We give one instruction at a time and we communicate that Respectfully. Now, if they aren't, you know, jumping to action, they're not willing to do what we've just asked them to do, we can ask them what's stopping them. If they're a verbal child, they may be able to tell us, right? They might say, I don't want to wash my hands, or I hate that soap, or I just washed my hands two minutes ago, or but I'm too busy, or I'm not hungry for dinner. And then we can help them by troubleshooting the real cause that's stopping them from listening to us rather than the projected cause that we just imagine. But the truth is that even when we've done all of that and we're sure that our request is respectful and makes sense and it's necessary and is age appropriate and tempora- temperamentally appropriate and our child is able to do it, um, we still might come up against resistance. They still might simply not do it, right? Like, hold my hand when we're crossing the street, they might simply not do it, even though they understand and we've made the importance clear and we've asked for it respectfully. And in that case, we need to follow through. We need to follow through with helping them to complete that task and even physically if necessary, right? It's kind of like, well, you need to hold my hand now, we're crossing the road, let's hold hands. If you can't do it by yourself, you know, if you're not going to hold my hand, then I'll hold your hand or I'll hold your shirt or I'll somehow help you and follow through so that we complete this task. and We don't get stuck in the inaction or in the negotiation phase or in some kind of, uh, you know, stalemate. So we physically follow through if necessary. And this goes for setting limits around everything, right? You're hitting your sister. You need to, um, not you need, right? Let's not say you need, although it's not bad, but it just sometimes using the word you can be a little bit, it can come across a little bit attacking and then our children's defenses can come up. Although of course we use it all the time. But seeing as we're just speaking on this high level of what we ideally want to do, uh, then maybe we would say something like, I can't let you hit your sister. If you can use gentle hands, you can stay. Otherwise we need to leave the room. And if they can't do that, then we say, okay, I see you need help. And we pick them up and they leave the room. We leave the room with them. Right? We take them out of the room. So we follow through. And here's the thing if you don't mean what you're saying, and if you don't mean it really needs to happen now, then why not just skip it altogether? Why not minimize the amount of requests we make of our children and try to make those requests that we make of them actually be the ones that we mean? I believe that our voice will be heard so much better when we use it sparingly and when we follow through on it so that we are established in their minds as people of integrity, who when we make a request, we really do need them to cooperate with them. It's well through, it's meaningful, it's necessary. It is not negotiable at that point. And so I think if we make less requests, but then those requests we make, we really think about them and we follow through on them. Let me give you an example of how I fail at this. Uh, Whenever we're at our friend's house and it's time to go, I'll say it's time to go about 70 billion times to myself, to my partner, to my children. And that's because I know that I want to go. But I'm conflicted because I'm having fun, so I want to stay. So I'll say to my kids stuff like, okay, we're going. Okay, it's time to go. Okay, get your shoes on now. Okay, one minute and then get your shoes on. Okay, five more minutes and then, okay, no, I really mean it. Oh my gosh, it's we're late. Now we're late. Now we have to go. Now we have to go. Right? And it becomes intensified because I've let it escalate and because I didn't mean what I said and I wasn't in integrity. I didn't wait till I actually meant that it's truly time to go, give them that real five minute warning saying, hey, in five minutes, we really are going to go and then following through on it and actually going after five minutes. I didn't do that. And so they don't believe me. And so there's no follow through. Okay, so that's an example of what not to do, <laughs> but that's an example of a reason our children don't, be- don't uh, listen to us because they simply don't believe us at this point. They know that they have another 25 minutes at least of us just kind of on autopilot repetitively saying a robotic instruction that we don't even need. Finally, and most importantly, if we want our children to listen to us, we absolutely must model listening to them. We must model that we stop what we're doing, look into their eyes, and listen when they're talking to us. It is so hard, we are so distracted, and some little children jabber at us all day long. So this isn't something you're going to be able to do all of the time, not with everything they say to us and not with every request they make of us, but as much as possible when we can look at them in the face and listen and try to show them that we at least consider Um, cooperating with their requests, right? Like, oh, mommy, can we have ice cream for dinner? Oh, okay, that's an interesting idea. Let's talk this through for a minute. If we have ice cream for dinner, it would be delicious. I do agree. My concern is that it wouldn't have the nutrients we need for our bodies to grow. Do you think that that might be a problem? And we go through that process with them of just showing that their requests matter to us, just as we want our requests to matter to them. So if they say, mommy, can you get me water? Or mommy, you know, can you tie my shoelaces? Or can you tidy up my room? I'm not always saying yes. Just like they're not always saying yes to me. I am not always saying yes to them. But I am giving them a real explanation why. I'll say, well, sweetheart, I just sat down and I really believe it's great skill and important for us all to be able to go and get our own water when we you know are able-bodied and capable. If you're absolutely exhausted or don't feel well of course I'll get it for you but otherwise I'd like you to please make a habit of doing it for yourself because that would be so helpful and it will be one less thing for me to have to worry about. So we model listening to them regularly and even if we don't comply with them just as they don't always comply with us we show them that we take what they're saying seriously and we absolutely want to foster and create an atmosphere of cooperation. That's, that's what works well for me and my family, as much as possible. And no, I don't do all of these things perfectly at all, but this is what I'm striving towards.